Hi everybody and welcome back for another podcast episode of Acida Magazine. My name is Emil Schentürk and I'm hosting, yeah well they, they say actually a podcast show, but Acida um, <laughs> Magazine is not really for entertainment but rather for education and analysis of political uh, topics. And this is what I was reflecting on the other day. I was browsing through the articles that I publish on Isido.com. And um, yeah, I was I was thinking, you know, what um, how how is my approach to things? And um, I mean, there are some discussions that I have with uh, friends and colleagues and family about the various topics that we have here. And what I often encounter is um, especially like in the in the private realm, is that people tend to uh, misunderstand what I'm saying or not value the um, the input, the analytical input that I'm bringing to the discussion um, that, that I would actually um, think is warranted. So what do I mean by that? If we are talking, for example, with uh, friends or um, with family members about a certain conflict or a certain development uh, in the world. Um, oftentimes, you know, I don't feel that that my uh, point of view is being recognized as extremely significant. Uh, and basically, um, oftentimes, and this is my perception, the key to understanding the matter and from understanding the matter, um, we can also derive how these things can be can be solved. And this naturally led me into uh, reflecting my approach. So I went back and read um, my articles again. I was also reflecting on how I'm talking um, in those situations and how I'm, I'm uh, presenting my thoughts and analyses. Um, I refuse to use the word opinion on that because on political matters, I'm really not a person who thinks an opinion um, is going to get you far. It's rather, um, yeah, to observe and analyze the things with the tools that um, that you learn from from political science, and this is what I'm trying to give people back. But nonetheless, um, I needed to be a bit more reflective on my approach, and what I found out or what was striking is that I'm often far away from the everyday dealings within a topic. It might be the Israel-Palestine conflict um, where I'm not discussing like the particularities on the ground that are happening there. And um, for example, the riots in, in France um, last year in, in summer, for example. Then we have yeah, the developments in Iran um, last year it was um, in February last year where there were uprisings in, in um, Iran, but also Ukraine, Russia conflict and so on and so forth. So um, or also the Afghanistan um, situation. There was also a, an article uh, from 2021. Whenever I'm dealing with those things, um, I found out or I, I just... Um, the emphasis of my articles is, as I said, far away from the yeah, dealings on the ground and what, what is actually happening there. And I think that is a bit too abstract 
because there are emotional um, there are emotions involved when um, things happen and they are portrayed in the news and you deal with them um, as they happen. For example, the, uh, the Israel-Palestine conflict, right? It is a very um, urgent situation. You know, you see it on the television, you read it in the news, and you want to understand what is going on there, right? How many people were killed? Uh, what kind of bombs did they use? Um, which territories were lost or gained, um, depending on which uh, yeah, side you're looking at. And my approach is far away from that. My approach is to see the underlying structural things that caused this, this um, conflict to, to uh, light up again. Or in other contexts, you know, when I'm looking at, for example, um, yeah, let's say political change. Um, there was an article last year, the Turkish elections. There might be um, yeah, concepts like, like racism and capitalism that I'm um, also looking at from a very abstract and, and kind of detached uh, point of view. And this is not to say that either way, uh, like, like one way or the other is, is correct and the other one is not. This is definitely not what I'm saying. But it is something that I recognized is um, uh, very prominent in my writing and also in my approaching political matters. And I just wanted to explain to you why I am approaching things like that and what, where do I think the value of um, approaching things in this way is. And to me, it is, first of all, the argument that if something happens on a daily basis, like the micro developments within a conflict or um, a larger development into something, um, I don't think that those micro developments actually have much weight in um, or do not have much value in letting you understand what is really going on there. Also, they do not help you to actually form um, sustainable responses to things. So if you take, for example, the larger um, development, you know, in the United States, for example, that the whole world is actually um, looking at, you know, the, um, the issue with, um, you know, the different genders and the shift to the, to the liberal left side, you know, within society. It is not um, that small actions, like, for example, a person gets beaten up, or there has been protests somewhere, or a minor law has been passed, or a school teacher got suspended because of that. These are not the developments that make up the um, whole uh, larger dynamic. And these do not help us to understand how the different camps and actors interact with each other. It is rather the structural arrangement and the different kind of factors that influence society in a way um, that it came to the situation and from the trend and the structural givings of the situation, we can derive how it's going to develop further. And if you are against it, you can from that derive what you need to do, what you can change basically in order to go against this development. So again, very abstract, but to make it more specific on this gender thing is we would have to see how the uh, socioeconomic um, composition changed over time in the United States 
and how that aff affected consumption behavior. Um, we will also, for, because, I mean, um, there is this structural dynamic that when a nation is becoming more, uh, more and more um, wealthy, right, over time and is richer and richer, more social classes access consumption levels of luxury goods and once they achieve those, um, those levels, right, the immaterial fulfillment yeah, or non-fulfillment of those people becomes more apparent. If you're socio-economically uh, socio um, disadvantaged, your primary concern is obviously to, to um, you know, um, work to get a good life and uh, to sustain your living and your family and so on and so forth. Once it, you've done that, you want to improve your material life. And once you've done that, and this is the situation that I'm talking about, you access a level where you start to buy um, luxury goods, this and that. This doesn't add to your self-fulfillment. These are just material add-ons that are nice to have, but don't really fulfill you. And at that point, when capitalism has reached a point, you know, where more social, uh, socioeconomic classes can access those goods, the emptiness on the immaterial side, like the normative side, becomes clearer. And this leads uh, or makes people vulnerable to um, kind of go or, um, yeah, to those dy dynamics of changing genders, this and that. So this is a very important factor that we need to look at, but nobody's talking about it because the narrative is always um, that they want to re-educate our children or... Um, uh, into the other direction, yeah, the right is so restrictive. Um, they are not, uh, yeah, they are not very humanitarian. But the argument doesn't make any sense. So this is just one factor that I'm talking about with the socio-economic development. On the other side, to make it um, again uh, uh, more specific, obviously, obviously, you also have ideological uh, developments um, that are taking place. If we are thinking about the global scale, right, what separated the United States or other white um, communities from the rest of the world was always the economic success. And with less economic discrepancy because, uh, between the global north and the global south, the need for, uh, for immaterial differences in order to still substantiate the otherness yeah and um, the yeah basically artificially constructed superiority towards the global south needs to be upheld with the change of some certain notions such as the gender thing and these are many 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 important structural factors that lead to certain dynamics and this is how i approach things it is not important to know whether um a school shooting has occurred here or there in the United States, you know, to just to name a different example. The problem lies somewhere else. And in order to discover that problem, you need to take a couple of steps back and look at the different factors that are going on in uh, society and how politics and interest groups uh, make use of those developments. As I said, 
it is not the fanciest and it's not the most emotional approach that I have to these things. And a lot of people also gave me feedback saying, how can you be so so neutral and so emotionless when talking about great wars that, um, that are happening right now? And then I say, well, it doesn't help us to be emotional about those things. I can't obviously... <laughs> Do you think I like seeing p children um, and and um, people murdered and uh, houses bombed or something like that? Of course not. Schools shut and, and whatnot. Do you think I enjoy that? No, of course not. But what does it add to the discussion or to the solving of the problem? What does it what does it add? How can I get to a solution when I'm emotional as well? What does it add to it? Of course I can sit in front of the uh, TV and cry. When I see those pictures, my heart is also torn apart. But how does that help us? How does that help us? It just blurs our ability to properly analyze where the, those uh, situations are coming from. And therefore, it also blurs our ability to judge how we can find solution to those things. And I see my role in, and this is the whole vision of this, this magazine. You know, I found this magazine not to participate in this emotional um, opinion building, basically. I want to give you tools or, or structured insights into what is going on from, from my perspective or for, from my knowledge, right? From the logics that, and um Uh, the way I derive information uh, from the situations in order for you to have a clearer picture and make more sound analytical uh, assessments. I'm not here to, to feed into, um, to feed into to the emotional state and um, just uh, yeah, throw around um, some slogans and dogmatic statements. This is not, not going to help us in no situation. And this is why I take those steps back. And when we talk about those things, and when I start to, to use those abstract terms, um, socioeconomic development and social discrepancy here and there, I know that this sounds boring. And politics, um, you know, lives from, from like the heat, right, uh, that we have in, in our discussions. But believe me, This is not doing any good um, to finding solutions to what we try to do. And because of that, because of that, I'm going to stick to this approach. I'm going to stick to the boring approach of deconstructing the dynamics and, uh, you know, looking at the interests and uh, putting factors together, also looking at uh, human uh, behavior and incentives here and there. I'm going to continue uh, to do that. And the reason is because I believe that this is the approach how we should structure political discourse. This is also what I believe our politicians should do. This is what I believe will uh, bring us forward. And then this is also what I believe is uh, political education is. Political education is not exactly knowing when which uh, law was introduced and um, 
which catastrophe happened where and how many casualties were there. What different does it, a difference does it make if there is a school shooting where 100 children die or 110 or 90? How does that how does that affect our ability or our um, you know uh, the quality of the solution that we're trying to find to this problem? Obviously, and I can just repeat myself, obviously it is bad and obviously we don't want to see it. But what different, a difference does it make? The same applies to the whole Black Lives Movement, uh, Black, <laughs> Black Lives Matter movement, I'm sorry, the BLM movement. What difference does it make that we have yet another name? Printed on T-shirts and uh, on banners, and this is something you know. I'm I'm talking about these things from Europe. Imagine what kind of waves um, uh, the situation has um, um, has made. People in Europe and and uh, in other country continents are uh, protesting against poli police uh, violence against black people, even though they don't have this problem um, in their own nation. What is that all about? You know, what I'm trying to say is there are reasons why people should deal with the emotions of political developments but not with the political developments themselves. Because by going on the street and, you know, uh, waving around banners and this can be uh, any other topic as well. It is not about the topic itself. We, we see it with Israel-Palestine, and I talked about it. I can just repeat myself. The hashtag Free Palestine, it is just to keep your emotions busy. You feel involved in this conflict. You feel like you're adding to the solution by just posting a hashtag Free Palestine, and that's it. They don't want you to. The politicians who have the interest to support Israel or the politicians that have an interest in supporting the police and the supremacy of uh, whites over blacks and politicians with any sorts of interest, they have, they, they want you to deal with the emotions and keep yourself busy with those emotions. And that is very, um, it's, it's very strange, I admit, but that is the reality. You feel involved in the Israel-Palestine conflict because you are able to post things on that uh, on that conflict right but they don't want you to go to organizations they don't want you to organize uh, lobby groups they don't want you to organize think tanks they don't want business to support those think tanks they don't want you to go into politics they don't want you to um, further political education they don't want that it's enough that you post your uh, free palestine hashtag and then you're out of it And I'm just using this as an example. We can talk about anything else. It doesn't matter. We can talk about the war in Russia. We can talk about the gun laws in the United States. We can talk about immigration in Europe. We can talk about immigration in Turkey. We can talk about economic crisis in Turkey. We can talk about coups in um, Central Asia and the Turkic countries. We can talk about the uh, genocide of Uyghur Turks in China. We can talk about any any topic. We can talk about the coup um, coup d'état in um, uh, in Sudan. 
We can talk about Yemen. It does not matter. Politicians who have an interest in those conflicts and situations to continue. Let's take, for example, the Uyghur genocide in, um, in East Turkestan. Well, China doesn't have an interest that people start, you know, uh, institution building, lobbying and educating them properly uh, and, and building capacity. Imagine what would happen if people were just emotionlessly trying to um, gather and look for a solution. They uh, kind of pool money and um, start to build uh, strong, influential uh, think tanks that go, go around and educate other people. You know, the word spreads around. They lobby the Turkic um, uh, politicians to go against China uh, more aggressively in diplomatic ways and maybe military ways. They don't want that. They just want you to post about it talk about it and that's that and maybe i'm guilty as well for just talking about it and not being able to properly um, make institution building or or create think tanks um, or yeah kind of uh, pool funds for those kind of things as well maybe i'm guilty as well i'm not i'm not denying that but what is true is that i understood that the way media presents things to you and want you to deal with those very small things in conflicts and developments is just to keep your emotions busy, that you feel involved. And once you feel involved, the topic is over for you. You just want to, this is just entertainment. And this is what I said in the beginning. This is, politics is not entertainment. This is not a show. It is serious. And when, when we talk about serious stuff, we need to get serious about the analysis. Just reflect it. Do you really care about the political solution to certain things? Or you just like chatting about it with your co colleagues at work and family and friends? Do you really want to have the solution? And are you ready to, to invest energy into developing yourself and going about um, sensible measures yeah, to achieve this change and enforce it? Or are you just comfortable with expressing um, negative emotions and just ranting about things. Are you about the comfort or do you really care about what is going on? And that is, if you are honest with yourself, oftentimes it is just the idea of or like pretending to want certain things to end. And when they end, they're replaced by other things. But do we really care about solving certain things and having sustainable solutions to them? I don't think so. And this is why I'm taking those steps back. I try to um, analyze those things from an abstract perspective because the more you move away to identify the problem and to solve it, the more sustainable the solution is going to be. If you're just looking at the micro-developments of a conflict and find solutions to them. It, those solutions do not prevent yeah, um, later uh, recurrences of those, of those micro um, atrocities that we're talking about. So this is what, I'm, what, what, I, what I've been thinking and um, I try to be reflective of, of my approach as well. 
I know that it is boring and it's oftentimes uh, confusing and sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know, how things are connected when we are moving so far away. Sometimes, and this is no joke, I mean, sometimes political developments, they have their roots a couple of hundred years uh, back in some, some um, yeah, apparently meaningless uh, developments. And to make those connections sometimes seems a bit far-fetched, right? And it might not be that they are very relevant today, but in order to understand the root of certain things, you have to go back that far. I know it's boring, it's history, and it doesn't make sense, and it's, it's cooler to watch um, you know, some, some fighter jet uh, throwing bombs around because this is the direct thing that we can, can understand. We see the picture, we see that there's conflict, we know something is bad. You know, there's the direct connection, there's the um, direct uh, translation of meaning through pictures. But on, in, in abstract terms, it's boring. I know that, I'm reflecting that. And as I said, maybe I'm just also too comfortable, you know, sitting and um, now um, uh, talking about those things and making very abstract, uh, abstract um, assessments on that. Maybe it's also, yeah... Not right on my part. But as far as I can see it, if you really want to be politically uh, educated and want to use this education to do something, you know, and to carry on the world, uh, word and, um, you know, uh, use these things in arguments, you have to take those steps back. Get away from the daily business of politics. These are transactional, operational things that, that actually have no meaning in the bigger picture. The bigger picture is what, what is important. Let's just think back at the, uh, to, the, to the Syrian civil war. Name me one event over those 10 years that if we didn't have this event, you know, and the whole chain of events, that would have um, ended the, the, the war, the civil war. And would have changed the course of it. Nothing. There's nothing. It's just the overarching dynamic. And when we look at the overarching dynamics, you know, then we can make sense of things. It's that simple. Well, it's not simple. That's the, that's the whole point. It's boring. And it's not flashy. And it's not, you know, entertaining. And there we are. Do we really engage with political topics because we want to be informed or entertained. I'll leave this answer up to you. Um, and yeah, this is something that you need to reflect on for yourself. Thank you for listening and until next time. Bye.